Howdy friends, I'm Molly, your host today, and we want to welcome you back to the No Boundaries International podcast. So as a reminder, this podcast is meant to be used as a tool to help equip you in your walk with Jesus in the areas of restoration, training, and outreach. So we're super excited because this is going to be really fun because we do this by using a combination of exploring biblical principles, taking a closer look at concepts found in our Journey of Restoration CPR e-course, and then we have tons and tons of discussion surrounding what it really means to follow Jesus in these areas. So for today's episode, we're going to be picking up our conversation once again with Sandy Orchard. Hello. Yay. And as a reminder, she is our co-founder and vice president of No Boundaries International. And we are going to be starting back in Genesis talking about rest. What a topic. (laughs) So we'll be looking at this subject by diving a little bit deeper into the book of Genesis where this concept of rest is first even introduced to us. So... Yay, Sandy. (laughs) I'm super excited. So let's go ahead and get started. So first off, Sandy, why do you love Genesis and where are we going with this? Yeah, so we kind of got into this a little bit in the prior podcast, but um, I'm just, I really, really love Genesis um, in the sense that it, it really provides a lot of foundational, crucial foundational things in our walk with Jesus and it it just displays the heart of God, the, of the heart of the Father. Mm-hmm. It also shows some of the failings of uh, the human heart, and uh, and explains a, a lot of the things that that we struggle with in current culture. And so the Bible was obviously written, you know, thousands of years ago, and it's a compilation of many authors. But the thing is, it is it's still highly relevant to our walk today in life. It's just that sometimes we have to get a, a we have to shift our perspective on it and mm-hmm. stop reading it as as just a checklist and our what we want to what we need to do today and also the other kind of challenging thing with Genesis is is some people, especially Americans, tend to read it like a science report mm. and ask the science report questions like so was the earth really right. formed in 7 days and you know those sort of things like the facts. When really it's a Hebrew Bible that was written by Jewish authors spanning hundreds and thousands of years under the supervision of the Holy Spirit, yeah. and so there's there's it's written in a literary style and it's meant to be discovered. Mm-hmm. So the author wants you to dig deep and to slow down while you read this book uh, and read these different poems and stories. And so in that process, the Hebrew writers, they intentionally wrote it so that when you slow down, you're going to discover things because it's like a journey. Yeah. And so when we have that perspective a little bit more where we can just slow down and then ask the Holy Spirit to point things out to us and then also read it in light of Jesus. Yeah. And so especially the Old Testament, because we have a tendency to think, gosh, this reading this Old Testament stuff is, it seems so irrelevant to like my life today. And Mm -hmm. what am I going to get out of this? And it seems like a bunch of rules. And, and so really, if we can view that in terms of Jesus, like, where do we see Jesus in that? Or where are those, like, there's so many parts in the Old Testament that point to Jesus and that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And so if we can do that and read like that, and then also look, ask the Holy Spirit to show you what the heart and the nature of God is in these stories, as we slow down and read them, he'll do that. Yeah. And so once when we understand the personality of God and, and what God wants to, to show us through his heart, his emotions, his actions, 
it it takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah. And so we get out of that. It's just a rule book kind of mentality, and it really helps us in our walk with Jesus. Yeah. And so that's what uh, Molly and I are trying to kind of do today. And we really want to encourage readers of the Bible, uh, encourage the listeners to to really do that as they take kind of a fresh look at some of the Old Testament stuff like Genesis and to do it in context of Jesus. Yeah. And so, you know, if and really, if you look at the New Testament, Jesus, like there wasn't a, a New Testament, a written New Testament that Jesus was obviously looking at. He always spoke Old Testament. He's, he made numerous references to Isaiah and, and different things with the Old Testament. So if it's important to him, it's got to be important to us. Yeah. And we just have to look at why is it important. So today, what we were hoping to accomplish is that we want to look at Genesis 1 through uh, 2. And so it's the creation story. And most of us know this and we're familiar with it, but we're going we're gonna to look at something a little bit different that a lot, a lot of times just gets glossed over. And so what we're going to do is Molly's going to read the whole uh, chapter so that it gives us a feeling and a context for it. And then we'll come back and, and look at a couple things in that. So why don't you go ahead, Molly? Okay, super excited. So we're going to start again in Genesis 1-1, and we're going to be going through Genesis 2, verse 3. So it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and He separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, let dry ground appear, and it was so. And God called the dry ground land, and he gathered the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights in the vaults of the sky to give light on earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the great light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on earth to govern the day and the night, to separate light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
and he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in the likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in the vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of the creating that he had done. Whoa, Molly, that was really good. Wow. You have a great radio voice, Molly. (laughs) That was so fun. That was awesome. Okay, so... There's a lot of different things that we could really focus on here in the creation story, but really I want us to just to focus on this one thing, and that is like what happened on the seventh day, and it it just has this feeling of being kind of different, and so I want us to look at that being different, and so one of the things that Hebrew writers do is a lot of times they use repetition and patterns Mm -hmm. to show certain things, and when something is out of that pattern, they want you to take notice. Ooh, it's like, hey, focus here. Yes, exactly. So... So Molly, I'm going to ask you a question. So at the end of every day, except the seventh day, what do you notice? Uh, At the end of all the ones except the seventh day, it says, and there was morning and there was, or no, it says, and there was evening and there was morning, the blank day. Yeah. So in other words, that day is done. Yes. That's kind of like the final, you know, the final point for that day. And so let's, let's back up, just back the train up just a hair and see about context. And so the Genesis was, uh, the authorities really believe that Genesis was written by Moses. Mm -hmm. And so since Moses wrote Genesis, who, like, now Moses has the story, who would he uh, tell this story to? The Israelites. Okay. So uh, when would Moses be reading this story in the whole, like, in the broad story of the Israelites? Where would he be reading this story? In the wilderness after he had, he had been with them, right? Right. So, so we have the whole Moses story about how he got called from God to free, free his people from Egypt, from the Pharaoh, which is considered a symbol of, of, of slavery, a symbol of, of evil. And so we have that whole story about how Moses 
takes the humongous number of Israelites out of Egypt. What, like, before we get too far into that, like, what was the job that the Israelites had when they were in Egypt? Well, they were slaves. Okay. So they were slaves, and, and, the, and the story reads that they were slaves of Pharaoh for 400 years. Wow. That's super long time, multiple, multiple generations. And so as slaves, it was normal for them to work from sunup to sundown. They just, like, they're slaves. They didn't have any other choice. Right. And they didn't have any days off. So you're talking sunup to sundown, seven days a week making bricks and uh-huh. everything that has to do with supporting that. And so they got their identity and they were told this over and over and over in that 400 year span that their identity was found in what they did and their identity was found in production and who they were was tied to how many bricks they made a a day. And if they didn't make that quota, the Egyptians saw them as useless and of no value. And so uh, their identity was tied to production, to what they could do. And it had been that way for 400 years. So if you were sick or old or you were too young or you just couldn't quite do it, then you were really seen as less than by the Egyptians. Wow. That's rough. Yeah, that I is. Mean, I, I mean, that's horrible. And I think sometimes in, like with this story, like we don't all the time like sit and imagine mm-hmm. or like sit and think about like, what would that be like if your entire identity or your personhood was only found in what you could produce and not even that you're even and producing, you're producing for it you. for someone else, right? You're producing it for someone else and you're at the mercy of whatever value they tell you that you have. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. That's so rough. that was rough. And, and so just to bring it a little bit to, you know, more of a modern context, we still kind of carry that 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 concept that we're really tied to what we produce, yeah. you know, even current day. Because, like, when if you meet somebody, you know, at a party or the coffee store or whatever, and so you get beyond the first question being, hey, what's your name? What's yeah. usually the second question you ask? What do you do? Yeah, exactly. So there's that, that essence mm-hmm. of, hey, what do you produce or what do you do or... What's you know what your I mean? name? What do you do? Yeah. What's it, like your occupation? Yeah, so there's still that concept of, like... You, you need to be a value and you need to be producing something. I mean, right off the bat in a normal conversation. That's how we identify people. Yes. Like even whenever we introduce people, some, we'll be like, oh, this is so-and-so. She works at yeah. whatever. Or yes. She works with, that is wild. Yeah. So here we are, the story. Let's go back to the story with Moses. They're in the desert. Moses is, you know, they've he's walked the Israelites out of Egypt and they've encountered multiple miracles to get them out, multiple, multiple miracles. And so now Moses is reading these words to them. And this was like life changing for them. I mean, this rocked their world because now you've got God speaking through, through Moses and he's looking at these former slaves and he's like, Hey, you guys are my sons and daughters. Wow. You're not tied to making bricks with me. I look at things differently. And, and since you're my son and daughter, I value you for being you. And it's doesn't my value with uh, of seeing you as a son and daughter does has nothing to do with what you're going to produce for me. And so, you know, it was an identity, it's in a moment of identity. And it was, and it would really did rock their world, because now he's saying, I, I want you to rest. Yeah. And not only like, just like take some time off, like 
one day out of seven, I want you to just relax, which is true because we as humans, we really need that. We can't like do this nonstop hamster wheel thing and yeah. And not rest. We just, we physically, emotionally, spiritually, the whole package, we, we can't produce like that. Mm-hmm. So he's caring for them like a good father would. Yeah. So he's caring for their physical needs and their emotional needs. But on a spiritual level, he's saying, he's saying, I, I want you to rest in me yeah. and rest in that relationship and rest in what I'm saying over you and I, and rest what I'm in, what I'm doing for you. And so it was it was totally different. I'm sure they hadn't heard anything like that in 400 years. And so it's the same way with us that he wants us to rest in him and he wants us to trust in him. And, and we'll kind of define a little bit. What is, when the heck does resting really mean? Yeah. And so if we, if we get our value out of the whole doing and producing thing, we're miss we're kind of missing it. Yeah. Because I mean, that's so good because like, if we get our value in doing or producing, then there wouldn't have even been a reason to deliver these people from slavery. Like if God would have been like, yeah, I agree that your whole value comes from whatever you can produce and producing for someone else. But that's not what he says. Like you can see how obviously God is seeing them as having value because he really isn't down for them being mistreated. Like he heard their cries Mm -hmm. over all of those years. And then he was in love then he responds. Then he responds and he sends Moses. And I mean, let's like think about it for just a second that if he's calling us even now like sons and daughters and he's our father, think about how that shifts our relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And even if we look at how we view our children, right? Like when people have kids, when people become parents, to these tiny little miniature humans who don't really do much of anything. They don't produce. They don't produce. They're not like a productive member of the family. You know what I mean? Like at first, especially in those first few months or years, all I do is eat, sleep, play, and poop. (laughs) Like they're living the life. (laughs) But but they're not doing a whole whole lot. Mm -hmm. And yet... We'll structure literally our entire days around them and we'll structure our entire lives around taking care of them and tending to their needs, whether that's emotionally or physically or mentally or spiritually. And we have this intrinsic, like deep, deep, deep commitment to them. Yes. Yeah. Even though they're not producing anything. Coming out of radical love. Right. Out of radical love. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is what God does for us. And this is kind of a picture of what then the the Israelites are getting a, a glimpse of yeah. in this moment when they are out of the desert and they're, and they're hearing these words from Moses or reading these words that go back to the creation story of Genesis. Like, this has to be mind-blowing. And so it wasn't... For the Israelites, it wasn't God the the boss, the boss man, or right. it wasn't God the overlord, or it wasn't, you know, it was God the Father. God the Father. Yeah. And the in this radical idea that actually you were made in his image. Like the person who put together the entire universe, you're sitting there looking at how he's just created something from nothing. Yeah. And he created every creature on the earth. And then you get to the point where it says, 
And then we were now made in his image. But Mm -hmm. you carry that. Like if we could even wrap our minds around just (laughs) a little bit of that sonship or daughtership, Mm -hmm. like it changes everything about how we view him. And I think too, because you read the whole story of the creation account, all the different days in there. And every day that you read, it's like the narrative usually said, and it was... And it was good. And it was good. Day, day, whatever, and it was good. It was good. But then what happened on day six? We were very good. The humans yeah. were made. That And that wasn't like a typo or like some little scribe just threw the extra adjective in there. I mean, it's in black and white that it was very good. So God, yeah. God, the thing about day six is when we as humans were formed and he, he was... He was so proud of that. He was so in love with what he created. He called it really good. And so, again, getting back to, we kind of talked about this in the prior podcast. It wasn't, you know, a lot of times we, uh, us as a society has this picture of this mean and vengeful God who's just sick of the mistakes that we make as people. It's it's not like that. Yeah. And so from the very beginning, day six, he's like, man, look at them. They look they look awesome. <laughs> Look what I did. I made these humans yeah. and I love them. I they are very good. Yeah. Like he likes So what right he out of the bat, it's different than what society is going to say about God. Ugh. That's awesome. And I like how then everything about us then has to flow from that truth. From the, you know what from I mean? the identity, from the identity of that. Yeah. Of that. Mm-hmm. And in the truth of then, I mean, even then now who we are in Jesus and how we're created through him. Like, I mean, in another episode, we'll go a little bit, well, not a little bit, we'll go way deeper into identity. <laughs> and that'll be good. Yeah, yeah that's going to be exciting. That can be a whole other long rabbit trail if we let it be. Yeah. So for today, let's just focus on how from the very beginning, we're created in this truth. And it's really only from this place that we can find true rest in the Lord. So let me do a little small recap. Kind okay. of bring us back yeah, in. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> so we're looking at Genesis we're looking at the story of creation and we're looking at it through the lens of the people who would have been reading or hearing this creation story at the time, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And we're looking at what it says to them and then how it applies to us. So you have a group of people who've been enslaved for 400 years and then they're hearing this beautiful creation story showing them how even though they've been enslaved and even though they've been mistreated that that was never the intention that God had for his people, Mm -hmm. that they are people who not only that he loves, but people that he likes, people that he looked at and said that they are Are very very good. good. And if you can imagine hearing this after you feel like for generations that you and your people have been forgotten about Mm -hmm. and you've believed for generations that all you were alive to do and meant to do with your whole entire existence was to work and produce against your will and to suffer at the hands of others and to only be what someone else was telling you that you were allowed to be Mm -hmm. like, this is radical. Mm -hmm. And then that makes in this story of creation so much more powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Cindy, this is like, this is what Jesus does for us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so Jesus, he steps into the scene like a couple of thousand years after this creation story. And But the thing is, the Father God and Jesus have, have not forgotten that storyline, what you just said. They've never forgotten that. And so, in other words, 
that Jesus came, he came to rescue us. He came to remind us that, hey, I see you. I know you. I'm the one that created you. And you're my child. You're my son and my daughter. And you're very good. That hasn't changed in all these hundreds of years. And I, I want to have, I want us to have this deep relationship where you know my heart and I already know your heart because I, I made you just like me. I made you in my image. I mean, mm-hmm. Jesus is in essence with his actions and what he does for people. And as you read the New Testament, that's what he's saying. And he does the same for us, even current day, that he wants to give us, he wants us to return to that identity as a son and a daughter. And he wants us to, to realize that our identity when he sees us has nothing to do with what we're producing Mm -hmm. and that he wants us to be free and he wants us to be free of the sin in our lives. He wants to be free from the things that hold us back, the things that hold us hostage, that hold us captive. He wants us to be free from those things. If we will believe with all our heart and confess with our mouth, totally give our lives over to him so that we can rest in him. And there's that aspect of the, Jesus is so committed. Yes. Like Jesus and God, Father God, God the Son and Holy Spirit from the very beginning, if all this shows is that they've been so committed to us for forever. Mm-hmm. Like no one's changing their mind about us. That's right. Yeah. And he didn't change his mind. And so when we're in that place of, of the stuck or the yuck or the I'm trying to get my identity met or I'm trying to produce to be loved or to be liked or to be accepted, mm-hmm. that that's, that's not how it works. That's right. Oh, so good. And then when you know who you are and you're in, in your, you start operating in the truth, then your eyes are opened. And so, I mean, you read the creation story and you see what God intended for, for you, like for, even for us right now, and you start to learn his character of goodness and of life and of love. And then you keep on reading and you get to the seventh day, right? Right. And it says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So Sydney, why is this like, why is this so important? What does this tell us about God and about us? Okay. So just in order for me to answer that question, I just want to ask you again, just kind of as a refresher. So at the end of every day, except the seventh day, what did you notice again? That there was evening and there was morning. Right. And so here we are at that seventh day narrative and we see God resting. And so it wasn't because God was tired. <laughs> yeah. So the creator of the universe, he'd been doing all this creating and gosh, that was a lot of work. I think I'm just going to sit here in my recliner a for a moment and take a break. Yeah. It wasn't that at all. What he, What's being said is that he he steps back for a moment and he looks at everything had been done and it was it was good. And especially day six when I made man, it was really good. Yeah. And so um, there's that aspect of that's what what God is doing. But then the thing is, is that if you look at day seven, it doesn't have that ending cap where it says, and it was evening, it was morning. Right. End of the day. So in other words, the day of rest is still going on. So we had the, you know, the Genesis creation account. Some scholars believe that was six, 7,000 years ago. Some others believe it's way more than that. But if you read this, it, it, what it's saying is that that day of rest, 
mm-hmm. that's being that he does, but it's being offered to us never ends. Wow. From the time that he created uh, heaven and earth, he created us. It has never end ended. And so the whole rest word we, means way more than, hey, you know, take the day off. Be sure to sit kick on your, your sofa feet. and kick up your feet, which I mean, we do need that as humans, but it means I want you to rest in me. I want you to trust me. So in this continual state of rest. And yes. that's a, I like how you said in the beginning, like, because you see the pattern Right. Of mm-hmm. It was evening and it was morning. And then if you take, so you're taking that, the thing that the Hebrew writers would say, like, look at this. This is different from all right. the rest of they scripture. They want you to take they notice. They want you to notice it. Right. So it must be a big deal. But then what does this, what does rest really mean? Like, what does it really mean to follow God's example and to be at rest? Yeah. So, and that's a, a really important question. And so I've, I really believe that God's intention is that he wants us to rest in him in the sense of trusting him, mm, in the good. sense of trusting the story that he's putting out on your life, of trusting how he's walking with you, of trusting how he wants to give you peace and love and joy, and trusting that no matter what it looks like out there, like these slaves that were in the midst of, of overworking and being yeah. in slavery in Egypt for 400 years— that, that he wants them slash us to trust him despite what it looks like on the outside. Yeah, regardless of the circumstances. So that we can rest in him because the, the huge power of that is that even in today's culture, so many people, they just want peace. Yep. They want that peace in their heart. They want it. They're tired, they're tired of the, the anxiety, the chaos, the things that weigh down heavily on their heart. It's just so hard to carry to give it to him and that he fills you with that peace because you're you're trusting him and you're you're sitting with him yeah and you're resting in him and that resting says I trust you Jesus I trust what you're going to what you're going to do for me in the future I trust you with my past and all these dumb ways I've screwed up uh, I trust you with the right now it's a it's a resting in him and just sitting with him yeah and so there's a heart connection in that and it's a statement where you're where you're giving your lives over to him because you know that he's far smarter than you, that he's far more powerful than you, that he has he can he can change the, whatever situation that you're currently in a thousand different ways if you trust in him and you rest you in him. him. And that's what I think that what I think is really interesting is that we're looking at this idea or this truth really uh, of rest in Christ or resting as we trust in him in our lives. And we're looking at this all through the context of the Israelites coming out of slavery. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because if we remember correctly, we had Moses who was delivering the Israelites out of slavery and they were on their way to the place that they were promised, Mm -hmm. right? And God promised them a place Mm -hmm. and they're on their way and they've just seen um, all of these, all of these miracles that God performed through Moses and right. they like they've seen all these things to get them out of slavery from parting a sea to sending plague on the Egyptians to you know to God holding back their enemy and they've seen themselves be supernaturally fed so they had food from heaven every single day they watched water come out of a rock <laughs> like what when they yeah, were crazy thirsty. supernatural stuff like and and then what? Like it's, they took them a journey that would have originally taken them 11 days 
ended up taking them 40 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think the message in that, what you just described, I, I, like, I think God it was saying, so I've got you on this story. I've got you on this trajectory. And are you going to trust me in that? Yeah. Are you going to trust me? I've I've obviously taken care of you up to this point, like all the miracles you just described, the, the splitting of the Red Sea and the water out of the rock and the, the manna from heaven. Like he's done that. He's done some supernatural acts to say, hey, I'm taking care of you. I'm taking yeah. care of you. And I and I have good things for you. And hey, I got you. I got you in my hands. You're you're in a good spot. Are you going to trust me with that? Are you going to trust me with, with the what's coming up in the future? Are you going to trust me in the story that I in the trajectory I have you on? Yeah. And I think the 400 years of slavery, they just couldn't seem to get past that in their heart in their mind, and they they just had a super difficult time trusting God in that. And what's interesting then is like this just illuminates even like in my own life or even in our lives now. So we can see the miracles all day long. Mm -hmm. We can see that God brought water when there was no water. We can see that he fed us from heaven. We can see... You mean in your current day life? Yeah. So how he stepped into into your life and answered in some way. Right. And we can see the miraculous all around us and still not be trusting him in relationship. Yeah. Because, I mean, in 1 Corinthians... The chapter 10, like that's a whole, they go through a whole chapter talking about the Israelites, talking about the Israelites and how we're supposed to use them as an example of what not to do, essentially. Yeah. Like, so that we don't spend all of our time walking around in circles rather than trusting and resting in God. Yeah. And they, it just shows me like, man, they're, they're so missing his heart. Like, their hearts yeah. weren't positioned towards God. And it goes back to the like what we talked about in the previous podcast with Genesis and the fall and everything that they weren't trusting in God's character and nature. Yeah, you know, as a whole, does God really? Is He really going to care for me? Is He does He really have good things for me? Mm-hmm. And that becomes a choice. You know, you're gonna you're gonna believe and fall into the doubts and and let the doubts open the door to fear and all that sort of stuff. Or are you gonna you're gonna make that choice? Yeah, I'm gonna choose you, Jesus. I'm going to choose you, God. God, look at all these things that you just did for us with the parting of the seas and that list and not forgetting. Because all through Exodus, the phrase was, and and they had forgotten, and they had forgotten, and they had forgotten. Mm -hmm. And then Jackie Hill Perry, um, in one of her sermons that she just gave at a conference, she's talking about how we are like exhortation and the importance of exhortation is really in community with each other, like reminding one another. Yeah, and that's why God we need done. community right there. Right. But could you imagine the difference that the Israelites would have had if they would have said b- before they got to the doubting of God's character and the doubting of God's heart for them, if they would have been like, no, remember, he just parted a whole sea. Yeah. We just walked on dry ground through a huge body of water. Yeah. Or like, no, are you kidding me? Like he's literally raining food from heaven. Or remember when we told Moses, we were, first off, we were complaining and we told Moses that we were thirsty. And what happened? He struck a rock and suddenly... We have all of this water to drink. Like if they could have been exhorting each other and yeah. reminding each other, yeah. that helps us trust. Mm-hmm. That reminds us when we can remember what God has done, then we can trust him and we can build one another up in supporting one another in our rest and walk with Christ. But I also want to say right here, just real quick, that, that trust requires an action. So like 
if I'm saying that I trust that this chair will hold me, <laughs> I have to sit in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. if I just look at it and say, I can, yeah, I trust that that chair is going to hold me. But if I never actually sit in it, then I'm never actually really doing it. But that when we say that we're trusting or we're resting in God, that our actions will line up with that. Yeah. They may have to actually trust. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and there's a there's another perspective, too, because um, I, I want us to shift slightly to what is the New Testament say about this the, yeah. the, the, during the, the era of Jesus. So in Hebrews 4, 9 and 10, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. And I just think it's it just kind of points to the fact that we as, as, as humans, um, just kind of like the Israelites did after, after getting out of 400 years of slavery, we have this tendency that we want to run with the ball, that we want to we want to take control of our own lives and do it our own way because we can probably do it better than you, God. And, you know, and they're not stopping and trusting God with it. There's this tendency under, especially in times of stress or in anxiety or a difficult time or, a, or a, you know, a bad diagnosis or trouble with the kids or whatever. We have this tendency to want to take control of that thing yep. and do it ourselves. And so I, it just... You know, it just says in Hebrews 4 here, like, hey, you, we just need, as a people, we need to stop striving and try to try and stop trying to work this out and fix it on our own because we have someone who's far bigger, mm -hmm. who's so much bigger than our situation, who can take care of us, yeah. who can step into those things and provide supernatural answers if we choose to trust. And when we don't, like, one of my favorite things is that when I was first, you know, coming to know the Lord and I had first said this, this prayer really of like, God, if you're real, I'll say yes to you for a year. Mm -hmm. Right. That's and a good story. Like I will say yes to whatever invitation that I believe is from you. And I just kind of saw this picture and I didn't like know Holy Spirit yet. I didn't know that this was God speaking to me at the time, but I was like, man, I know the cycle that I'm in when mm -hmm. I'm trying, like I can see myself right here trying to control my circumstances. I'm living this party lifestyle. And at the end of the day, I go home and I'm still lonely. I'm still tired. I'm still worn out. I'm still have broken relationships. And there's just this question in my mind that was like, well, how's that working out for you? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like how's running your own life or working out <laughs> for you really? Yeah. And then, I was like, man, at this point, then I've got nothing to lose. That's right. Because at the end of the day, I know that this isn't working the for me. The whole doing it yourself thing. Right. I'm going in circles and going in this cycle. And you go back to the Israelites. How was that working for them? Mm -hmm. Them doing, trying to do things their own way and not remembering their relationship with their father. Like, how'd that work out for them? Yeah. It didn't. They went, they walked in circles for 40 years. Yeah. Like, come on. And then we do that in our own lives or or we say man this we let our circumstances or even the appearance of our circumstances dictate our actions and our behavior and and how we choose to control everything yeah that is insane <laughs> that's wild yeah that is good and so one other thing one other kind of shift i want us to make is like let's see what the jesus perspective is on this and so let's fast forward a little bit to the New Testament, see what Jesus says. And so in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, he says, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you'll, you can find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so he says it right here in black and white, I'll, I'll give you rest. And there's, there's just, like I said earlier, so many people who are longing and craving peace in their lives. They're tired, kind of like your story that you just mentioned. You were tired of the chaos and tired yeah. of the anxiety and all the ways that you're basically wrecking your life without, you know, you had to come quite a ways into the story to have that realization. Yeah. They just, people long for that peace inside their, their heart. And that's what Jesus wants to give us. He wants us to rest in him and he wants us to trust in him and his character and his nature. And as we do that, as we give all of ourselves to him, our lives, our past, our present, our future, he gives us that peace that passes all understanding. And so, you know, he's, he's always with us. And that's what he said through the scripture. And, it, and he just wants us to understand and, and, and trust him in that, trust him in the story that, he's, that he is always with us and that he's got our back and he has good things for us. Mm. And so we just have to like give it all to him and be okay with that. Yeah. And that's what it, like that's kind of what the whole resting in him means is that you're sitting with him you're saying, I trust you and here you go. And yeah. I trust whatever decision you're going to make with that situation or my life, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm going to be okay with it because I look to you and, and I'm going to stop trying to control this thing. And I'm going to stop trying to fix it myself because look at the big mess I've made anyway. Right. <laughs> and that's when the actions line up. Yeah. Like that's when your actions start, will line up with what you believe, with mm-hmm. what you're believing about him. Yeah. And, and it, and it's an intentional choice. Yeah. It goes back to the two trees that again, Here's a choice. Mm-hmm. What you going to do with that choice? You're going to trust me or not? Yeah. And then you either believe God or you don't. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. And so so then when we when we do believe God and we believe God in his character and we believe God in his truth and we start to learn to walk and trust in his ways. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be the byproduct. And if we can cultivate that kind of God confidence that we know that from the very beginning that we were all made in his image and we are meant to walk in relationship with him and trust that that he wants to give us good things and that all good things really come from him, then we learn what it truly, truly means to be at rest in him. And then we can know that when trials come or when the outside circumstances look like everything's on fire and chaotic and or intimidating, then we won't rely on ourselves to try to figure it out mm-hmm. because we won't allow ourselves to even get that overwhelmed that we, you know, when you're overwhelmed, what do you do? You fall into you, familiar into old patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the Israelites kind of fell into their slavery past. Right. They went right back into what was familiar but when we don't let ourselves get overwhelmed in that because we trust him and we won't fall into sin and we won't fall into idolatry or we won't fall into this need to to relieve our flesh, but rather we'll remember that from Genesis, God has always had good things in mind for us. I mean, he gave us all of creation, mm-hmm. you know, that was, and he likes us and we can get it in our minds that even though once we were separated, like Jesus has restored into us every promise as sons and daughters. Like even in, 
in Romans, it says that, that we inherit all Jesus is and we inherit all Jesus has. And if Jesus, so he's not holding back on us, right? If we inherit all of that, then that tells me that then we also inherit that rest portion. Yeah. If we inherit all Jesus is and all Jesus has, as Jesus is the son of God, when he was walking in relationship to his father, he was never anxious. I don't (laughs) remember a scripture when it, when Jesus didn't know what to do or didn't know And Jesus was worried and upset and anxious. And had no (laughs) idea how this was all going to pan out. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's not, that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so that really is, is the gift to us that that never ran out, that God is still offering that to us mm-hmm. today, even 2000 years removed from the Israelites and slavery, because this Bible is living in the breathing right, word yeah. of God. It applies right here and right now. That's right. Yep. Oh, so good. So Sandy. You have any final thoughts on anything? Well, I think we're good. I think we've taken a, a good little look at this, and I hope that the listener can take away some of these points and, and just be able to apply it to their lives and, and the situation that they're in. So. Yeah. All right. So then here's what I'm hearing. Is that if you have listened to this and you're in this place of striving still, if you're in this place of trying to produce to earn God's love, or to earn the approval of other people that God wants to give you rest. If you find yourself in this place of anxiety or depression, or there never seems to be enough time in the day to do what you are supposed to do, or the things that you want to accomplish to take a step back to see if you're trying to control or manipulate your environments to, to meet your needs, to take a step back. And that the invitation today is to take a rest in God, knowing that he's good, knowing that from Genesis, when he created everything that he had in mind, that you would rule and reign over creation and that in partnership and in relationship with him, that you would walk with him and talk with him and he would provide for your needs and you would lean into him. And there's a real invitation today to lean into him. So I want to take a second And have you just asked Jesus a couple of questions? One of them, just Jesus, will you search me? Will you search me and reveal any area that I'm not trusting or resting in you? Is there anything in me where I've tried to control? Is there an area of my life that I'm striving in? And that I'm not believing you? And then just say, Jesus, will you help me believe? Will you help me believe? And so, Jesus, I just thank you for every listener. Lord, I ask that you encounter them in their heart. Lord, that you give them a strength and a courage to trust you. I just declare that everyone listening will believe God that we will set our hearts right, that we turn to you, that we repent for the ways that we haven't believed you. And we repent for trying to be our own many gods, thinking that we could do it better. And we repent for choosing to wander around in our own deserts rather than than taking a hold of the promise that you gave us through the son that you sent to die on a cross. We repent and we say, Lord, come and have your way that we want to follow you, that we love you. And Jesus, we trust you and we can rest in you. So we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. 
So thank you, Sandy. You're welcome. That was so fun. That was fun. And thank you all for joining in on our conversation. And we'll talk with you next time. Bye. Bye.